Hey everyone, welcome to the channel. Today I have Marco with me. Uh, Marco is the leader of new systems development in Decred project. And today we are going to talk to him more about his project and try to understand the technical details of Decred and some exciting updates that they have for us. And I am joined with uh, Vishal as the co-host for this podcast. So Marco, can you give a brief background uh, of how you got into crypto and uh, how you got in involved into Decred? Sure. Hey, hello everybody. I'm Marco, Marco Pierboom. Uh, thanks for having us on, for having me on, by the way, guys. I uh, appreciate it. So um, I got involved in crypto really, really early on. Um, so the day, uh, you know, the white paper came out is the day I got a hold of it. Uh, it went around in my circle. So I installed promptly, you know, the original Bitcoin daemon and played with it and then promptly lost my laptop. <clears throat> so uh, one of the many stories that people have heard. So, but I was working with, uh, with Jake at the time, uh, that's the lead of the Decred project. And we were working on a different product called uh, CypherTight. So it was a cryptography, heavy cryptography based backup product. Um, so we really didn't pay too much attention uh, to the cryptocurrencies at the time. We, we finished that crypto backup product. Uh, it was not successful, so we crashed it. And then we pivoted into cryptocurrency products. And that's when we started working on uh, like BTCD and some other products like uh, Coinvoice or Coinvoice. So, uh, and I want to say we started probably hacking on those uh, 2011. Is 2011, 2012 is when we started hacking in earnest on uh, on cryptocurrencies. Okay. Okay. So, like, what's the story behind BDCD? And like, Conformal was the company I think that was pushing BDCD, and now you have company Zero that is working on Decred. So, can you explain your involvement there and how does that structure look like? Right. Sure. And so, I would like to add, like, I would really want to understand, like, what made you guys do like a different implementation of uh, of the Bitcoin node uh, than the original one that was written in C++. Yep. Okay, so that's a fair question. Um, so first off, we uh, we are all uh, pretty heavy duty, uh, you know, engineering house, right? So we like to write things, uh, and we like to write things correctly. So um, the original Bitcoin code was pretty impenetrable. It was poorly written. Uh, it was in C++. Uh, let's just say that the folks that worked at Conformal did not love that. Uh, and it, we also suffered a little bit from NIH, right? So not invented here. And, um, and honestly, there is no better way to learn a new system uh, than having to actually write it, right? So by actually writing BTCD, we use that as a, uh, as a, as a platform really for us to understand Bitcoin uh, in very fine detail. There's only so much you can do by reading documentation, right? And even reading code, you really truly have to experience it. So that was, there were several reasons like that. Um, we also did not love the, uh, the security profile uh, that the code had at that time. So we wanted to have a, uh, a tighter uh, security profile, if you will. So that answers your question. So now let me go back to the, uh, to the conformal question. So Conformal started working on CypherTite. Uh, so that is the, uh, the company that Jake and I uh, co-founded. Uh, I'm the CTO. He was the CEO of that company. And um, as we pivoted to, uh, to cryptocurrencies, and we did BTCD and Coinvoice and several other things that we were working on that were all uh, uh, you know, cryptocurrency related. Um, so we did that for a while as Conformal. And then we reincorporated as company zero for tax reasons and, you know, uh, to make a clean break uh, from, from CypherTite and some, some other products that were unsuccessful. So that was really the, the entire background back there. So, um, and I'm also the CTO of company zero and company zero is obviously the, the, uh, the entity that, uh, that got Decred going and started. So, uh, and currently Company Zero is a contractor to, to DHG, so the Decred Holding Group. Uh, and the Decred Holding Group is uh, the one that manages the treasury for, for Decred. Mm -hmm. And like, what were the initial days like? Um, like, why did you start? Like, why did the core group of people of uh, Decred start with Decred? Like, what did you see? Um, like, what was the initial idea or what was the initial motivation? So um, writing BTCD was very exciting and fun uh, right up until we released it. So we got a, let's say, less than warm welcome when we released that code. Um, 
which was odd in my in my mind. It's still odd. Um, we did um, we did our very best to make sure that we were bug for bug compatible. Um, and, uh, and and back then the argument was, what if you cause a hard fork, which is kind of uh, you know ironic at this point, right? Because I mean, there's what 75 bitcoins out there at this point that are uh, direct forks of uh, of the chain. So, um, and, and the way we view the world is, is that, you know, as an example, the internet is not great because we have one web browser, right? The internet is great because we have multiple web browser browsers. Uh, the internet is not great because we have one TCP implementation it's because we have multiple TCP IP implementations. So it's always safer for a network to have multiple implementations. At least that's uh, our, that was our view. So, but since it was not received as a, as well as we had hoped, um, we started doing some different things with that code base though. So we actually used it uh, as the basis for all the Bitcoin activity uh, that we did. And, um, but, but we being, uh, you know, told to, you know, by, by, by some other folks in the, in the community that uh, they didn't want the code and all that, it just got a little old. Um, and we wanted to do certain things. And clearly we had disturbed the power structure and the power structure was unhappy with, you know, where we were heading. So uh, after CoinVoice, we decided to pivot and go build that thing that we had been talking about for a while. And that thing ultimately proved to be uh, to be decred. And like, <clears throat> what what was the power structure? Is it that uh, the trouble we see with Blockstream, like we have one single company that has like, because there is no incentive, for like developers to work full time um, on an open source project, like they can work part time um, as a hobby, but you need people who are full time involved. Yeah, w what was the trouble that you faced? Well, that that is actually one of the reasons that that uh, that we did not um, really love. So uh, Bitcoin started out very decentralized, which is optimal, and then as time went by, it became increasingly centralized. And specifically with Blockstream swooping in and basically hiring uh, all the uh, the Bitcoin developers, that's that's where um, that is not a good thing, right? So what is going to happen, regardless in any situation like that, is that the folks involved are going to uh, get some sort of corporate agenda. It's just uh, that's just how it is, right? Um, and by the way, don't get me wrong, I completely understand that you got to pay for bills, right? You got to pay for, uh, for your kid's college, you got to have a car. So I understand that the need to um, uh, to hire people and to basically provide them with a salary so that they can work full time without having to worry about, you know, dental care. So it makes perfect sense to obviously pay these folks. Uh, so that, that's not, I have no beef there at all. But what I think was not foreseen was the, the centralization effect that a Blockstream has on, on the code base. So uh, when we actually designed Decred from the very uh, onset of it, we really wanted to make sure that that would not happen. And that is why we have that treasury that uh, reserves 10% of the block reward uh, to continue to develop Decred so that, uh, so that there is a way to get paid so that, you are, uh, so that you don't get a block stream that swoops in and then uh, you know, hires all the developers away and, and create a corporate agenda. Would you like to add, ask anything here? Um, right. So um, I would definitely want to understand, like, what uh, what are you guys up to with the Politea? Obviously, I checked the uh, checked uh, the new version that's out, and there was like a uh, one proposal that was there, although the voting had closed. But uh, what is what is the purpose of Politea? Like, how do you see this being used uh, for some of the real world use cases? Okay, yeah, so that's a bit of a lengthier question. Um, the, so first off, uh, Decred has two layers of voting. That's uh, something I always need to get across. And one of them is on-chain, and that one is purely for, um, for consensus and protocol reasons. So we do not have a fancy name for it. That is just basically our on-chain voting mechanism. And that results, by definition, uh, on a controlled hard fork. Right, so we basically imp implement new consensus rules, and therefore we are going to hard fork if the vote passes. And the idea behind there is that it's controlled, and therefore we know what's going to happen. There has been enough signaling from the network to know that the fork is going to be successful. Code has been written; it basically lays dormant, 
And um, so and if the vote passes, then like I said, it, it will actually activate the, the new code. So uh, one caveat, so Decred is uh, fork resistant. So it'd be very hard to actually continue on the, uh, on the minority fork. So, and what we have seen so far is that the, the minority fork always dies off pretty much immediately. So, but that gives us the ability uh, to change hard things uh, over time. And um, it may sound simple, but it's actually, I think, crucial to, uh, to the longevity of any cryptocurrency. So uh, if we can use a hypothetical, what if, uh, we use Blake 256, by the way, as our digest algorithm. So what if Blake 256 is compromised tomorrow? Uh, now what, right? So in Decred's case, we would uh, go figure out a different digest algorithm that we'd like, and we'd be able to switch uh, pretty easily because we would write the code, uh, put up a vote, and then people would be able to, uh, to flip to the new uh, digest algorithm. So obviously there would be some, uh, some interesting things going on there, right? Because I'm pretty sure the miners would not love that. And, um, but you know, but we're talking about hard uh, decisions that need to be made. And, and with this mechanism, Decred has a process and a mechanism to, to deal with uh, hard changes that may need to happen in the future. And, um, so, and with that, we hope that we are going to be a, one of the few coins that's going to be around you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now. So that is uh, the tier one on-chain uh, voting mechanism in a nutshell. So then we have tier two, which is, uh, you know, it has a fancy name of Politeia. And uh, so what Politeia does is it actually, sorry, did you guys ask something? No, 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 go ahead. So, and, and what Politeia does is um, it is essentially a website that collects um, ideas and proposals from the, uh, from the community. So the community gets to say, we would like to spend money or decred on this particular proposal. Uh, and, it, and it really has multiple uses here. So one of them could be, um, we're gonna go to a conference and the conference, we need plane, plane tickets, right? And we need uh, you know, Uber and we need a hotel room. So, um, so that one could be put up for the, um, uh, for the stakeholders saying, hey, uh, are we okay spending this amount of decred from the treasury to sponsor this event. So if the answer is yes, then, uh, then the, the funds are disbursed and then that person can go uh, use those uh, as he sees fit. So that is one use. So the other use is actually to propose uh, new code changes. So for example, uh, I want to add uh, lightning. I mean, I saw that you guys uh, were interested in that. So, so let's say we wanna add lightning as an idea. Okay, so that's going to cost one year of development uh, of, this, of these five people, and that's going to cost this amount of money, and these are the 10, <clears throat> excuse me, and these are the 10, uh, uh, the, sorry, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, um, oh man, I just totally lo lost my train of thought here. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're talking about layer two wording. Yeah, yeah so no. I'm looking for a word <clears throat> that I cannot um, come up with right now. No, so but the idea is, is that you basically write a proposal with, um, with all the requirements in it, and as you keep hitting these requirements, uh, mm -hmm. more decred will be made available to you. So as you progress, you would get paid, if you will, to, to get the work done. Does that make sense? So one of them is, so the on-chain stuff is really hard, uh, no backseas voting, and then the, um, the Politeia portion of it is more signaling, uh, it's, it's more of a wish list from the, from the community that is off-chain but enforced on-chain. Mm -hmm. So I have like two questions here, um, Vishal, I think you have as well. So first one is like on the miner side, like can you explain like how do you, so like say if Decred uh, made some changes to the protocol um, and uh, like, the miners who are mining Decred, they have the option to like, how, how does that work that why doesn't Decred do hard, hard folk? Uh, why, why, is, uh, why is Decred hard folk resistant? Can you explain that as well? Uh, and second is like, yeah. who, who controls the treasury as such? Uh, like, uh, is it uh, like ticket based voting or like, uh, who, who is like, who is the, how is that fund grant the distribution? How does that work out? Okay. 
So you asked me three questions. There's no way I'm going to remember all three of them in order. So okay. let me start with the, with the last I, one. I'll ask them um, again. <laughs> so let me start with the bottom one. So yes, it is a, a ticketing system. So the way it works is each block, um, somebody can go and purchase tickets. And tickets basically uh, give you the privilege to vote. So every block, uh, up to 20 tickets can be purchased. And then every block requires five tickets to actually do some voting. So we have a permanent agenda, uh, which is, was the prior block valid? So that's one of the sticks we have to keep miners in check, to make sure that they are not doing bad things like mining empty blocks, for example. So, um, so in, in um, where was I going? Um, so then every block has five tickets, and then there, there are set voting intervals for more uh, interesting agendas, like uh, add, uh, so when we, for example, added the, I forget what it was actually, we knew they had a digest uh, in order to do atomic swaps with Ethereum. So we added a primitive to, to Bitcoin script, to our Bitcoin script version. So and that was a hard fork, of course, because now you have a new uh, opcode that didn't exist prior to that. So that was one of those things that we basically had to get in there by, uh, by using uh, the on-chain voting stuff. So, and as we went through all the, you know, through all the steps, code was written, was active, uh, people started voting, it passed, and then after, uh, you know, the, the, the voting interval uh, expired, we counted it and it passed and therefore it got activated. Still making sense? So by the way, this answers a little bit of your mining question. So this was really, uninteresting from a uh, from a mining perspective, right? We just enabled an additional opcode, but it is a consensus change. So for miners, literally nothing changed, but for um, for the network, now all of a sudden we had an additional opcode available to do um, uh, to do atomic swaps with. Does that make sense? Yeah. So not all consensus changes are bad for miners. Uh, so we do obviously uh, we are in contact with the larger mining pools and we do tell uh, them that something is coming up, right? We do the same with exchanges and say, hey guys, there's going to be a, a hard fork, so you have to update your software. So, uh, and actually as part of the, um, of the entire, of, of the four steps or so that are involved with doing a, a, uh, a on-chain vote, there is actually a settling period. So where people get an additional three to four weeks to actually go change the software. So uh, step one is, hey, uh, is the network, uh, will the network understand the new rules? And if you are below the threshold, and I want to say it's 85%. So if 85% of the nodes are not updated, then the vote cannot start. So once 85% of the nodes have been updated, then the vote starts. Um, and these, by the way, again, are all on set intervals. So it can take a week or two for the votes to actually start uh, from the point that enough nodes on the network have reached, um, uh, you know, the, the threshold. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and like what I understand is that Decred is like pretty flexible when it comes to like the future of the project in general. But, uh, but what do you think? Um, about a project like Bitcoin, do you think it'll be possible for Bitcoin core team to implement some of the core features of Decred uh, onto their like uh, layer zero or layer one, like the base layer of the protocol? So uh, I don't think it will be possible from a political perspective. Uh, Code-wise, it would not be that complex to add some of these um, so some of these things. So the thing to realize is that if you launch without governance, there is probably a zero percent chance of being able to. Uh, to bold governance later on. The thing is, is that um, once a current cryptocurrency is established, um, the the likelihood that the power structure is is you know going to give up some power is is pretty much um, you know near zero, right? Uh, people do tend to like you know so once they are elected to high office, they seem to want to hold on to that for for as long as they can. It's human nature, right? So, uh, so does that answer the question, though? Is I don't think that Bitcoin will ever be able to add some of these features for political reasons. Right, makes sense. Yeah, power corrupts, so totally makes sense. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So, um, like, I I think you didn't answer that uh, grant question, grant one. Like, so uh, how does that work out? Like, you have contractors; they go to uh, like the Politia 
or polity or whatever you call it and you, they uh, uh, give proposals and uh, the people they vote uh, whether that this person is uh, seems worthy of receiving this grant how does that work out um so the process is you go to Politea and you write up a proposal and mm -hmm. as part of the proposal you're supposed to put a dispersal schedule on there uh, so when payments are going to be made and um, and, <clears throat> and then there's milestones associated with it and as excuse me <clears throat> so and, and as the proposal is progressing if the milestones are being hit then the the, the stakeholders have to um, basically keep saying yes we we have seen enough progress out of this contractor and the contractor can be a single human or you know a a, a corporate uh, multi-human thing as well so for example company zero is, has multiple people on staff working on decred so and then company zero bills uh, DHG for for the time spent on, on decred and that is how decred actually works for everybody so company zero is not special in here and once Polite actually goes live, uh, Company Zero is also going to put proposals forth every month saying, hey, this is the cost to run Company Zero and have these developers full-time working on it. Uh, does the community, so do the stakeholders agree uh, paying for that? So, and I hope they do. I hope they like our monkey tricks. <laughs> um, and like I was checking the, uh, like the Politia site, it is, I think on testnet currently and uh, it is very basic um, right now. So uh, like, how do you envision that that is going to work out in the future and how will like, what sort of uh, use cases that uh, you see that are going to be, um, be enabled by Politia? Yeah, and so just, um, just, to, just to add, um, like, let's say, uh, you want to do like a small um, kind of elections or like public voting, um, even if it's not a country or a municipality, it's, it might be a small organization. So can you please explain how uh, the polity uh, platform can be used for uh, for a use case like that? Okay, yeah, so a um, couple of things here. So first off, Polite is very basic by design because we, uh, we like to make software that actually works first and then we'll add bells and whistles later. So currently, basically, you can only write the proposal and the human is supposed to do the things like the dispersal, dispersal schedule and all that kind of good stuff in there. So behind the scenes, there is a pretty complex piece of machinery that deals with censorship, cryptography, uh, dual-sided accountability, um, attestations, all those big words in, in, you know, in, in the crypto world that, um, that we had to hit to make sure that people... Uh, people's proposals are not being uh, censored, not being modified by, you know, by third parties and all that kind of good stuff. So a lot of design went into that, believe it or not. So even though it looks basic, uh, it does a lot of clever things behind the scenes. So as we are going to progress and make uh, Politeia nicer to use, one of the things we're going to do, for example, is create a, um, a disbursements, disbursement schedule editor in there so that you can actually uh, you know, click and point versus, uh, you know, typing it in by hand. So we're going to continue to make it prettier and prettier. And um, so and that's how we always work, though. So we, we are an evolution, not revolution type uh, software development has. So make it work first. Uh, we can boil the ocean later uh, type deal. So in, but we are basically essentially going to continue uh, to add more features and make it uh, prettier and easier to use uh, for the stakeholders. So the second part of your question, uh, so how do I, as a third party, use uh, Polotea? So Polotea can currently be used in its, in its current form uh, as a document management system, if you will. So you could put uh, documents in there uh, and have all the fancy words that I said earlier, right? Attestation, dual-sided accountability, and so all those cryptography uh, primitives that are supported on the back end are immediately available uh, for a user of it. So what does not make sense within Politeia, um, and actually if you look at the architecture, so Politeia is a pretty generic system that offers the document management portion of it with all the crypto primitives, and then there's the decred portion, which is a plugin to it. Um, and that plugin does all the decred specific things, including voting. So voting is not a Politeia function, it is a, uh, the decred plugin uh, to Politeia function. Does that make sense? So it is orthogonal really to, to the system. 
Um, at some point in the future, and, and we are not sure where this is going and how this is going to happen, but we are going to see if we can uh, make, um, you know, make some of the voting mechanism available to a third party, right? So how do we do something like we can do now with, with Degret tickets to vote on proposals? Can we maybe have somebody issue their own tickets then uh, so that their users can vote on their proposals or whatever that, may, whatever that means, right? Am I making sense? So, but that would require quite a bit of uh, uh, hacking on the, on the bottom part to, to obviously be able to do that. Because tickets have um, very interesting properties, which is so we can, for example, prevent double voting uh, on things we always know, know, we always knew what ticket voted on what a proposal and at what time. So, but if you are, for example, a municipality, and you want to ask your citizens, uh, hey, can you vote on this? Um, there is no, uh, you don't have citizen tickets, if you will. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. So that yep. would have to be expanded upon uh, in order to use the, the system in a, uh, in a different fashion than, than what it does, besides right. obviously document management which will also bring up problems like identity management and stuff like that. Sorry, I, I, I didn't hear you on that. And that would bring up the problem of identity management and like how do you make sure that, you know, these are the citizens of this particular jurisdiction yep. and they are like, they have the right to vote. Um, yeah, absolutely. That is a non-trivial problem. Um, and actually the way identity management in Politea is, is pretty complex, believe it or not. Um, so we use ED25519 identities to identify uh, the, uh, the users. And uh, in inherent to that, it actually makes it not as easy to use as we'd like. For example, not for example, so we have to create an, an identity, which is 32 bytes uh, of random data. Um, you know, with those 32 bytes, that's you, right? Uh, and that is everything, and everything is signed using that private key. So when you submit a proposal, it was signed with that private key, right? And then when an administrator, uh, you know, publishes that proposal, then that publishing is signed with the admin's uh, private key. So everybody who participates in this system has private keys and managing those, as you know, is not easy. So currently uh, it's all done in the web browser to make it as simple as we can, but that does mean that you cannot just move over to a different web browser and start using the system as the same user. So you would have to import your keys into the other web browser. So, uh, and again, these are the things that we are going to try to make easier uh, as, as time progresses. But, um, but if you want to have true cryptographic strong uh, identities, you're going to have to maintain your keys somehow, right? And you don't want a third party to ever have access to it. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And I, I had a doubt, like whenever I was watching one of your interviews in in which you talked about like, uh, like Politea uh, can be used by say universities to put their degrees. I think it was you or Jake, I don't remember. Uh -huh. uh, uh, and like uh, university documents into the, uh, by hashing it and like uh, into the decred blockchain. Um, so like, how does the transaction fees work like? Uh, like the people who, who can use uh, that system, uh, do they need to pay the transaction fees as well? So we actually have a, a, another application sitting on top of our blockchain called DCR time. And, mm -hmm. um, and what DCR time does is it, it anchors digests to the blockchain. Okay. So what it actually does is it collects digests for an hour. Um, and so whomever submits digests, then, um, then they all get Merkled together. So you have a single Merkle root and that Merkle root actually is what is stored uh, on the blockchain. So and with okay. that, you can do proof of existence of, uh, of any digest that you created, right? So you have a PDF, you run it through, you know, through SHA-256, you get the output that would be sent to, uh, to DCR time. DCR time gives you the Merkle root plus the Merkle path. And then with, and again, with that, you can prove, without you know, any shadow of a doubt that, that that document existed at that point in time. <laughs> so so, so in, in to answer the fee question is uh, we run the DCR time and if you use our DCR time, we have funded it. So and it pays the network fees that are associated with that. So but it's pretty minimal though, because it, um, it is 
36 bytes, I'm going to say, of data. So mm -hmm. it's, it's in the order of cents to, to get that uh, anchored. Got it. Got it. So it's like, uh, like when say, and say if there are a lot of people who are pushing their files, uh, how does that happen? Like, uh, it won't matter because only the Merkle root is getting saved. So the, the hash, the, the output of the hash will be the same, uh, like it will consume the same data, isn't it? Yeah. So basically the way it works is, and like I said, you, you collect hashes for an hour. So let's say you yeah. have 10,000 hashes that were submitted, then only a single Merkle root can be calculated out of that. Yeah. So everybody who submitted uh, those, you know, to those 10,000 digests is actually going to use that same Merkle root. That is mm -hmm. their Merkle root to find it. So yeah. it's their Merkle root plus the Merkle path that actually determines the validity of, um, uh, of, the, of the digest. Got so it. It's, Pretty quick, pretty uh, pretty cute and clever way of uh, uh, actually storing a, a mech or storing something on the blockchain without spending a whole bunch of money. And also, you you could not put you know ten thousand documents up on the blockchain. That's you know that's ridiculous, right? That's not what it's for. Yeah. Yep. So but we basically store an op return um, with the with the Merkle roots. That's really essentially the entire trick. Got it. Got it. And like, uh, can you explain this structure as well? I'm really curious. Like, I think you, uh, like you have a get offline Git or what, whatever you call it, uh, this system, uh, in your community. Um, can you explain like, how does that work? Like you have centralized servers, um, who store the information and finally it goes to the blockchain. Sure. So, uh, in our case, uh, so DCR data is at the very bottom of Politea. Mm -hmm. So, and the way Politeia stores the incoming documents is actually, we use Git. Uh, that is our uh, snapshotting, uh, a file system snapshotting mechanism. And it's, um, and for all intents and purposes, actually, uh, Git is a bit of a blockchain, right? Because each commit is put on top of one another, and, uh, you know, you get a digest that goes with that. And as long as you don't change anything, the, mm -hmm. the coherency is going to be, uh, you know, maintained. So what we do then with Politeia is we, so for example, a, um, a proposal comes in and it's literally committed into uh, the Git repo. And then once, uh, I also want to say every hour or so, we, uh, we snapshot Git. And what I mean by that is we basically see up to where uh, we have anchored it in the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And then all the missing uh, commits are then sent to DCR time. Uh, and anchored in the blockchain as well. So we, we actually um, uh, anchor individual commits within Git. So if there were 10 commits from the last time that you anchored, you're going to send 10 uh, digests to, um, to DCR time, which then all 10 will be anchored. Does that make sense? So in, in with that, now we can, uh, now every third party can basically clone the Git repo and verify against those um, those digests that the coherency of the Git repo is, uh, is has been maintained. Does that make sense? Uh, Vishal, would you like to add anything? Um, right. So, so behind the scene, it's just DCRD that's working, right? Which is just an implementation of the Open Timestamp. It is a variation to the open timestamps, yes. So that was a very good piece of code that we borrowed some great ideas from. Um, I, I want to say it's Peter Todd that wrote that. Yeah, it's Peter Todd. Yeah, yeah that, was, that is one of the killer apps, honestly, for, for blockchains. And um, so but we obviously could not use open timestamps because it's Bitcoin related and we wanted to, uh, to do everything in, uh, in Decred. And of course, uh, not invented here, so we had to write our own, which right. we did. No, so but actually, the things like DCR time, which are somewhat trivial um, applications, are actually extremely powerful in, in what they offer from a um, you know from a human perspective, right? So proof of existence is is something you can take to court and prove validity of, right? So you can build a whole regulatory framework around that one simple idea that something existed at some point in time, right? Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah, um, then you can do things like attestation. Uh, you can do, uh, I mean, you know all the regulatory buzzwords. I'm not going to rattle them off. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, and I'm also super excited about uh, Lightning Network coming on Decred. So what do you have to say about that? And what's, uh, what's the roadmap for Lightning? 
So Lightning has been a bit of a bear. We had hoped to be done with that early this year. Um, there were some bumps in the road. So basically what we did is we actually took the Lightning uh, code, we cloned it, and then we created a, a translation layer between Bitcoin and the Decred bits because uh, Lightning is very, very clever and we did not want to reinvent and write any of that. It was also written in Go and actually they used, they cloned the daemons uh, original from BTCD. So we already had some familiarity, at least with all the infrastructure portion of it. So, um, so like I said, in order to keep the changes as minimal as, as possible, we created that translation layer portion. So there is one remaining issue as, we, as far as we know at this point, um, but that one has been very tricky and that is how do we uh, sign certain things and how do we verify those signatures? That is, that is a problem that has not been cracked yet. Um, also, we had some, some other things happening in the back end, which has pulled folks that were working on it onto, uh, quote unquote, more important uh, functionality for Decred. So, um, so unfortunately, I do not have an update as to when it will be released, but, but we obviously really want it because it, you know, it adds speed to the network, which everybody wants and needs. Right, so, so the current block time is like five minutes, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, that'll be reduced to like whatever, microseconds? Yeah, milliseconds, microseconds, probably milli, I mean. Uh, milliseconds. Right. Yeah, because I mean, uh, even at the lights, even at gigabit speeds, right, we still take a couple of milliseconds to get to you guys here, for example. Right, right. Yep, yep. Um, and like, uh, like as as a project decred, uh, like what, what sort of applications do you see? Like say, uh, like for Bitcoin, people are going to say use it, a normal person, use it for payments or as a store of value for decred like do you think about these things like uh, like what exactly will decred be used by a normal person um so there's two things really there uh, so first off is when we did the credit on our wallets um we initially launched it uh, we uh, one of the community members wrote a very unfriendly uh, reddit post saying how bad it was and, um, and once we were done uh, feeling sorry for ourselves, uh, we went through that post and we basically wrote GitHub issues and all the things he was complaining about. So it, was, it turned out to be a very valuable uh, piece of documentation because uh, he was, quote unquote, a regular user uh, and documented what sucked, but that was great. So we went in and we fixed most of those, if not all of those things. And the Crediton has gone from being a crappy wallet to kind of becoming the gold standard in the, in the industry. Uh, you know, some, some uh, commercially developed wallets aside. Uh, but the Crediton is, is real pretty right now and very user-friendly and everybody can use it with minimal training. So, um, so yes, we are trying really hard to make Decred uh, more and more available and usable by, uh, by folks that are not uh, techies like us, right? So, um, and I was going to add something to that, actually. Um, so, yeah, the other thing that to realize here is that because Decred is going to be starting to be run by the stakeholders, uh, there probably will be people that show up and say, hey, we really would like Decred to do X, Y, and Z to make the user experience a little bit easier and better. Um, and funds will then be released, obviously, to go develop those things. So, so I expect, actually, fully expect that in the future, the stakeholders are going to direct funds to making it more and more available, again, to, uh, to more users all over the world. <laughs> got it, got it. So, like, you feel that Decred uh, is going to get better with time because of the uh, governance that is inbuilt into the protocol and might actually become more user-friendly and become more, uh, say, uh, more approachable to normal people than, say, even Bitcoin because of the incentives that you have designed. Right, and, and actually, and, and if you actually look at from a, um, from a voting perspective, so if you, if you are a stakeholder and you vote, you actually get rewarded for that, right? Because part of the block reward goes, <coughs> goes, to, the stake, <coughs> goes to the stakeholders when they vote. Mm -hmm. So it's very attractive uh, to vote on things. And uh, turns out if you actually incentivize people to vote by giving them actual you know, monetary value, that they show up they are going to be better educated. Now it's no longer just a, 
well, I kind of think this, and it really doesn't matter because it's not going to impact my life so much, so I'm just going to vote X, Y, Z instead of, you know, um, something else. So what, what we have seen is that the, the stakeholders that are engaged in Decred are pretty well-versed and are pretty well-educated on what it means, uh, you know, what the votes are and have been in the past. Yep. So, yeah, so I think that actually incentivizing votes was one of the cleverest things that Decred has done. Because it, it really seems to up the, the ante on on uh, voter participation. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. And do you see like a prediction market use case or decred since this has like the voting mechanism uh, inbuilt? Uh, I'm not sure what you're getting at. Um, prediction markets in general are, are going to be huge in the future, right? So we have projects like Augur, which are built on top of Ethereum, and then there's uh, Team Gnosis that's trying to like build like a prediction market on top of Ethereum network. So, so you're you talking about uh, gambling, basically? Uh, in general, I mean, for, for information. Sure, gambling. Sure, gambling <laughs> is, is one of the bigger use cases. You know, I don't want to deny that. Um, so so let, let me give you the generic answer there. Uh, if the stakeholders want that, then they obviously are going to suggest that and uh, potentially even uh, fund it. Uh, currently, that is not a, a thing that is on a roadmap I'm aware of. But I, I, there is no reason why it couldn't, right? Because we could obviously add uh, stuff to it. Or a third party could add stuff uh, to Decred, right? It's, it's, not, it's a non-exclusive... Uh, community. So if you show up with a good idea and the stakeholders agree, then you know we can go ahead and do it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah, and I'd like to like get your thoughts on how you are seeing like trying to get more developers on board and uh, like trying like more getting more developers to contribute like code to Decred. Um, do you have like specific vision there as well? Um, so the contractor model that we have right now uh, works pretty well because people are self-motivated by the time they show up and then they get paid in Decred to actually do some of the work. So um, currently it's, it's front-loaded, right? People, people actually have to show up and do things, uh, but once, the, uh, once Politeia goes live, it's going to be flipped around a little bit, right? Because now uh, you have to come up with an idea in a funding model, and then funds will be released as you do, do things. So it's going to flip around a little bit. But the but what it, what it has done so far is that it actually has created a pretty interesting little economy, right? Because everything Decred related is paid for in Decred, right? All the developers are paid in Decred. Uh, all the contractors are um, ultimately swag, and all the other things are all, all paid for in contract from the treasury, right? So and the more people you attract, the more people are going to uh, use it actually as currency. And this is, this is obviously our goal uh, to, to get it in as many people's hands as possible so they can actually transact and do useful things with it. So um, from a developer perspective, we're always looking for new developers. So, uh, and if you want to make some money on the side, this is the perfect way of doing it, right? So the, the two things you gotta have is motivation, because you, know, uh, you have to show up, that's, that's typically the biggest step. So then step two is you need to actually do work uh, with the, uh, with, you know, understanding that if it's subpar work, you may not get paid for it, right? So you, there is a pretty big incentive to do proper work. So, uh, and if you look at what's hot right now in, in the, uh, you know, I, I know at least in the United States, the big thing is the gig economy, right? Is people that drive Ubers that, uh, you know, uh, Uber Eats, so all, all those show up when you when you have time, and then you leave uh, when when you feel that you're done, right? So th that gig economy has upended quite a bit of traditional uh, markets in the U.S. And what we feel is going to happen with Decred is that Decred is going to the 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 model is actually going to upend um, high skilled labor versus low skilled labor, right? Because driving a cab is is a low skill task, right? Whereas, you know, writing some code is pretty high, uh, you know, that you, you gotta have some, some schooling, right? You gotta figure some things out. So when we feel that the model that Decred is pushing forward right now and actually has implemented is going to become more and more the norm worldwide so that people can work on things that they're interested in, but they don't have a boss, right? They literally pick, uh, oh, I would like to do this for, you know, for this company. That sounds like fun for six months, right? And then you move on and you go do the next thing that pays you 
for uh, you know high skilled work. Does that make sense? So and I think that Decred is really on the forefront uh, of this of, of a movement that is going to start happening here in the not too distant future. Yep. Yep. Right, makes complete sense. And especially India has this gigantic pool of developers and there are like millions of new engineers that like keep graduating every year. And I'm sure like some of them will find their way into the Decred project. We would love to have them. So show up, write some code that is good and you can make some money. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, but you know, as a guy who has worked in open source for, for a very, very long time, it is pretty hard, you know, to stay motivated at times, right? And when you're by yourself and, uh, and, and, and the reality is, it isn't for everybody. Sometimes it is nice to go to an office and, you know, hang out with your colleagues and talk and go to lunch and do those things. So um, not for everybody, but it is going to, um, it, it changes the velocity of business. Uh, businesses are going to be organized around uh, different structures. And for example, I can see businesses that have some sort of hybrid model, right? Where they have an office that you can come into or not. Uh, and then some people work from home and some people work from all over the globe. I just can what I'm saying is I, I can only see more people working from home uh, or from, from a small satellite office than less, right? So I think that uh, traditional businesses are going to increasingly get smaller and smaller because, um, you know, office space is going to get less and less because why would you pay for air conditioning, right? Why would you uh, make people sit in traffic for an hour and a half a day or, you know, some, some other practical social problems? So... Right. Um, Sorry? Sorry, go ahead. No, so, so and, and I think Decred has actually really uh, put forth a, uh, a process that can be copied by, you know, by, by other organizations. Yep, yep. And I think this is like very relevant to like crypto projects in which like many, most of the people are distributed and it's sort of like a global community. Um, right. Yep, yep. Yeah, so like in Decred, we have folks on all continents, right? Um, folks that, that write code and, and are actively developing, and that's exactly what we want, right? We want to have a, um, a wide community of people with a lot of uh, different cultural inputs. So, um, I mean, obviously, we don't understand each other's cultures all the time, right? So if you're going to develop something that you want to use worldwide, it needs to have input from folks worldwide. Um, so, and I think that's, there's nothing but positive uh, stuff there. Yep, yep, yep. Vishal, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's uh, in India, some of the bigger cities, they have such traffic congestion that like that people spend two hours like one side just commuting to work. And like this is just like an added incentive for like people to work on open source projects and like earn money sitting at home. Oh, absolutely. Why would you want to sit in traffic for two hours? I don't. I really super don't. So uh, if I go look for a job elsewhere, uh, I'm, I'm unsure I would ever be able to trade, uh, you know, sitting in traffic. So at, at the very least, I'd need something along the lines of, uh, you know what, I'll show up at 11, right, when traffic is stopped. And then I'll leave at 3 before traffic starts again. It's, it, it really is such an amount of wasted uh, productivity uh, having folks sitting in traffic. I mean, so I don't know about you, but I'm pretty unhappy after sitting in a traffic jam for an hour. So if I get to work at that point, uh, I'm not going to be very productive. I'm going to be complaining, uh, right, for, for a while. So there's, there's really nothing positive there. And it's also not very positive for the environment, right, because you're just sitting there pumping out uh, CO2 uh, all day in your car while it's idling. It's a complete waste. So um, and as, I, maybe a bit of hyperbole, but as the, you know, as the human race, we have to stop doing that, right? We need to be nicer to our planet. And, you know, getting people off the road would be a pretty substantial contribution to that. Correct. Yep, yep, yep. I think, uh, yeah, it was great chatting with you. I just have, like, uh, just last final question. Um, can you, like, go through, like, walk us through the roadmap that you have planned for Decred? Like, I was going to the website. You have, like, a decentralized exchange. You have some things coming for privacy, uh, DAE, or decentralized autonomous entities, which is, I think, similar to the DAO of Ethereum and things like that. Um, sure. Let's start with the DAE. So, Poboteya is step one out of three steps to actually go full DAE or DAO. So, we don't use the word DAO because it's, um, that was a bit of a colossal failure, and we don't want to be associated with that word. So we came up with DAE instead. Um, so, uh, but there's two more steps 
uh, after poll data. Uh, one of them is we need to basically uh, gratify voting on the chain. So once a vote has been done on Politea, the chain needs to confirm that the vote was valid and accurate. So that's going to require um, some, uh, some consensus changes because we're going to add some more primitives. We're going to add some additional crypto magic. We're probably going to start using some additional fields in the, uh, in the header. So, so that's going to be a big change. Uh, and basically what we're going to go do is probably something along the lines of having a sortition. Uh, so let's say 100 uh, or 1,000 uh, ticket holders needs to ratify the vote and basically say, yes, the outcome is what, um, what was expected. So, and obviously we don't have too much room in the, uh, in the, in the blockchain, so we are gonna have to do something clever, like Schnorr signatures to kind of compress that data. Um, so that, that is step two. So, and then step three would be adding uh, some, some additional things. Uh, no, actually, no, sorry, this, this, I, was, I was thinking to step four actually. So step three is when we make uh, the disbursement actually completely automatic. So once the vote has been ratified on the chain, now the, the, that action is actually also going to dis, you know, run a smart contract and then uh, disburse funds to the, um, to the proper uh, keys that were provided or proper, proper addresses that were provided. And, and in other words, currently the way Politea is working is once a vote is ratified by, you know, humans look at the values, right? Okay, number is bigger, it's passed, and so somebody actually releases those funds. Uh, and, and that is going to be the end result of the DAE, is that it's fully automatic. Does that make sense? So, and at that point, between Politeia and on-chain voting, Decred is fully uh, automatic on, uh, on using uh, the treasury funds. Um, so, and then there's some steps on the DAE after that, and this is where a lot of folks ask questions like, so are you guys going to tokenize, are you guys added, going to add tokens on top of Decred? Um, and the answer to that is it's up to the voters, right, up to the stakeholders to come up with some clever ideas there to see if that is something we want. Um, and if the answer is yes, and if somebody is willing to build it, then I see no reason for that not to go forward. So let's see what, what other items did you have on there. Privacy. So privacy is another one of those bears that we have been fighting for a while. Um, we had some folks working on that and we got really, really close. Then we lost some folks um, that were working on it uh, for um, private reasons that we cannot mention. Um, and it kind of stalled a little bit. Um, I can tell you that right now uh, work has resumed on it. I don't have a date for you, but we are still hoping to be able to get it out there before the end of the year. And like so, what, what specific, like what sort of uh, architecture and like what's the, what sort of privacy are you targeting? Like this is so, a very general thing. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, is I this like <laughs> So th this is actually one of the things that as a very small development team that we have been hit with before is that uh, if we put our ideas out there, uh, some other people may swoop them up. So once it's done enough, uh, we are actually going to release all the code and, what, and everybody can look at it. But we need to have a couple of uh, weeks, days of, uh, you know, edge on what we're doing. Yeah, edge uh, side. Yeah, so, and so Decred is, is literally the bleeding edge of uh, cryptocurrency development. We, we have implemented quite a few firsts. So, um, but we also have been swooped in before where we had an idea. We made the idea public and then uh, some other project implemented it poorly. And, you know, now all of a sudden it's a bad idea. So uh, that's why we are a little bit more uh, close to the best with uh, big features like this. Got it. Got By the way, this is all going away over time with Politea, right? Because with Politea, you're going to be forced to put it out there. So you're going to be forced to publish it. So, so these are just side effects of us getting to, to done. Um, and by the way, when, I, I forgot to mention it in the prior uh, answer. So the DAE, uh, where everything is fully automatic, that is actually what Decred was supposed to be once, once we started thinking about it. That is the end goal. So once we get there, we have reached um, the, the final destination of, uh, of our development. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that we're going to stop, but I'm just saying that was the original vision of Decred uh, will happen uh, that day. So that's, and, and the good news is we're actually starting to see light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. So, um, so it's, we're very excited about, about that portion and, and seeing where, you know, 
probably within months uh, we'll be able to uh, to get there. Um, so what else did you mention? You mentioned the DAX, right? The DAX, yeah. The DAX, yeah. So the DAX is an idea that we put forth to the community. Uh, there's a lot of detail involved, but the idea there is to basically create a exchange that fully and only works with atomic swaps. So, um, so it's trustless, uh, escrowless, and it's basically people on the internet doing their own price discovery, right? So I'm willing to buy, buy this for that amount of money, mm -hmm. uh, and that's then how it moves forward, right? So then somebody swoops in and buys that and moves the the, the price. So it's a very basic uh, system, but the idea is to basically have kind of a mempool of or you know bids and and asks, right? Um, and you know, do price discovery that way, and then once people sign up for it, then you know you execute the, the atomic swap. So it's not fast moving, and that's actually by design. Um, I don't think that high frequency trading has done the financial world a big favor, minus making some people very wealthy. So, um, so leveling the playing field, I think, is healthy as well here. Um, so that's kind of the idea: is to basically build a distributed. Uh, Price discovery mechanism, basically. That that's actually what it boils down to. Okay. Okay. So, so what else did we have on that list of yours? I think we have. You have covered it all. Yeah. All right. Well, and we are actually we have some quite a few ideas. Um, in addition to that, that that are uh, going to become. You you are free to share them. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> not yet. There's going to be proposals though. So what we're going to go do is we're going to actually start putting up proposals um, pretty soon here on okay. uh, on things that we think are going to be interesting. And again, this is how Company Zero is expecting to remain in business, right? Is to put forth enough interesting proposals that people are willing to pay uh, for our, you know, clever monkey tricks. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Makes sense. And we definitely think that Degrad is one of the best projects out there. And like, we wish you guys all the best. And we hope to like see more new features um, coming out soon. Well, thank you. Uh, actually, I do want to close with that, is that um, Decred really has been engineered to be uh, a project that's going to be around for a very long time. Um, and if, if, a, um, if the cryptocurrency is easy to fork, it kind of makes it harder to predict where you're going to be in in the future, right? Because you may end up with multiple projects or uh, you know, a single not fast enough moving project so, and again, so the Decred has been engineered to be around here for, you know, for decades to come. So uh, I hope to be still hacking on it here in a while. That is true. Um, I, I personally as well, I'm super excited. I think Decred has one of the best communities, um, both the developer and like the user friendly, uh, the non developer communities out there. Yep. Right. And you guys have an awesome wallet as well. We do have a really awesome wallet, and um, and believe it or not, there's actually more things uh, coming in that wallet that are going to make it increasingly easier to use. So, for example, the whole Polotea thing is going to get integrated within the wallet. So you're going to be able to vote on proposals inside the wallet. Wallet. You can already vote on uh, uh, on, on uh, consensus changes and protocol changes, but you know the next version is going to start doing. You know, uh, proposals as well. So, and we are going to continue to make it easier to use. Um, performance enhancements. I don't know if any of you guys actually tried the latest version of the Crediton. So now, instead of um, going live in a couple of hours, it's it's like within 20 minutes or so. You can basically download the entire blockchain. Mm -hmm. So it, it has been made drastically uh, better. Oh, actually, I need to say one more awesome thing that we're doing. So we are actually working on SPV, and it's kind of done. Uh, most of it is in the Crediton already. It's just not been activated yet. So and that basically means that with that, you can actually launch a wallet within seconds uh, from downloading. Uh, but it's all maintained by you. Uh, you have the same security profile. And we did some clever crypto tricks to actually prevent uh, leaking uh, of funds to the server that you're querying. So, so in other words, that was actually one of the issues within the Bitcoin uh, version of SPV, where uh, the nodes that you used could actually kind of uh, figure out how many funds you had, where, and what. So um, we were able to obfuscate that. So in order to make SPV super duper awesome complete, is we're going to actually have to do a hard fork. Uh, so we're going to have to do a on-chain uh, change 
Um, and that will actually make it even better. But, um, but that, that one is a, a little bit farther out uh, in the future, but we will get to that as well. So, but that is a very exciting piece of technology because what this also does is this <clears throat> buys you the ability to start doing a mobile app because now you can basically um, not have any funds on your, uh, on your phone, right? But you can play with it. So there's, there's some really cool things that are going to come, down, come out of the, the SPV work that has been done. So uh, maybe you guys see a, uh, a mobile wallet here pretty soon. Right, that'll be awesome. Well, what do you expect uh, the size of the wallet to be? Like the uh, the SP wall SPV wallet only downloads the headers, right? As far as I understand, so uh, it's going to be in the the hundreds of k's or megabytes. So something small enough that'll fit easily on uh, on any uh, phone device without you know being a, a hog or a pig. Okay, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. I think we have covered quite a lot and uh, thanks a lot, Marco, for taking the time out and speaking with us today. Yep. Well, thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Awesome.